If Washington wants to get right with voters, it has to start listening to them. Welcome to Beyond the Bubble. I'm Alex Rorty, a national political correspondent covering Democrats for McClatchy. And I'm Andrea Dresch, reporter for the Fort Worth Star-Telegram covering politics here in D.C. This week, we're taking a look at the Never Trump movement, which apparently still exists, and the people who are still looking for a primary challenger to the president. Andrea, who's going to help us break this down? Go with me here. We're going to add another Alex. Alex Conant, a former advisor to Senator Marco Rubio. It's one too many Alexes, if you ask me. After we talk to Alex, you, me, and Katie Glick will all chat about what this means for the everyday voter. All right, you ready, Andrea? Let's do it. January 20th, the day the people became the rulers of this nation again. Our ideals and fundamental values are being attacked. Do we retreat or do we fight? I say we fight. He heard those voices that were out there that other people weren't hearing, and he just earned a mandate. It is time for Democrats to grow a backbone and get out there and fight. The American people would like to try something new. We would like to see the country go in a different direction to change the course for America. He doesn't take this presidency seriously enough. So to all Americans, hear these words. You will never be ignored again. So we've had an interesting couple of weeks here in the Republican Party. Both Jeff Flake, the current Republican senator from Arizona, and John Kasich, the current Republican governor of Ohio, have visited New Hampshire and are really making it clear, even if they have not yet declared that they're running for president, that they're seriously considering a primary challenge against Donald Trump. This is a a rather extraordinary movement from two people who at least should be or at least have been leading figures in the GOP. And we thought we would bring on Alex Conant, who is a former senior advisor to Marco Rubio's presidential campaign and really understands the GOP primary electorate about as well as anyone, I think. And we're going to ask him whether or not Kasich or Flake or some combination of the two really has a shot against Donald Trump. Right. Alex, uh, thank you so much for coming on the show. Thank you. Thanks for having me. So, should people take this seriously? Well, I think it's a little premature to be talking too much about the 2020 primaries. A lot is going to happen between now and then, especially with the midterms. If the Republicans lose the majorities in either the House or the Senate, or, or God forbid, both, then I think Trump will be much more vulnerable going into a, a reelect, and you would be more likely to see a primary challenger. So a, a lot will happen between now and then to, to know sure. how serious to take it. But absolutely, look, in modern times, whenever an incumbent president has faced a serious primary challenge from within his own party, they've gone on to lose reelection. Ford, Carter, and George H.W. Bush, they all face serious primary challengers won their own nominations, but went on to lose re-election, and vice versa, if you don't have a primary challenger within your own party, they've gone on to serve eight terms. So I think it is important, not just because of the the historical norms, but also if you have a serious primary challenger, it shows that there's real problems from within your own party. And if you can't unite your own party, how in the world can you win a majority of, of the electoral college? Well, I mean, do you think that I mean, do you think that if you're a Trump supporter, you should be a little worried? They're not committing to a presidential run, but they're being pretty open about what they're doing at the same time. Yeah, and look, I don't think that either Jeff Flake or John Kasich have a serious chance of being the nominee in in, in 2020. 
certainly at this stage they don't. I think that they each have the potential, or you know, somebody we haven't talked about, maybe like a Mark Cuban or, or you know, somebody else who's on the outside right now looking in, could get into a potential presidential primary and and at a minimum be a huge distraction for the White House at the exact same time when he's trying to unite the party and let the Democrats have a tough primary. If instead he has to worry about winning his own nomination in a serious way, it's just it's a big distraction. It's going to divert resources. It's, it's very divisive for the party, and it makes it harder for him to win re-election ultimately in 2020. It's why we don't see a lot of primary challengers. We haven't had one since 1992. We haven't had a president face a serious primary challenge, in part because it's so bad for the party, uh, or at least it's bad for the incumbent president, and normally parties like to see their presidents get reelected. 92, that would be when Patrick Buchanan uh, tested George H.W. Bush. Interestingly enough, Buchanan was kind of seen as a predecessor of, of Trump's campaign decades later. But indulge us here. We are junkies. I know it's premature, but walk us through <laughs> what would junkies. have to happen for this to, to be serious. Well, look, I think one of the candidates, if, if Trump were to have a, a primary challenger, theoretically, one would have to do very well in one of the first three early states. In 1992, which we were just talking about, Pat Buchanan actually won the New Hampshire primary. It was a huge setback for the Bush campaign. So I think somebody like John Kasich or you know, I guess for that matter, theoretically, Jeff Flake, they're both spending a lot of time in New Hampshire right now as they you know, th- at least consider a primary challenger, in part because uh, New Hampshire seems like it would be the most obvious state for a challenger to potentially pick off, which would overnight make it a very serious challenge to the president. And you've worked on a number of presidential campaigns. In your circles, do people talk about this? No, I mean, in my circles, everyone is 100% focused on the midterms. And, and frankly, that's all I'm focused on as well. Because, A, they're just a couple of months from now, they're going to be very consequential, both in terms of trying to solidify some of the policy wins that we've seen over the last 18 months from from Republican president and Republican Congress. And then in terms of how healthy the party will be facing re-election, if President Trump, the second two years of his first term, is is mostly dealt with Democrats who want to investigate him, maybe even impeach him, that will be a huge distraction from advancing a conservative agenda. So I think every Republican in Washington is 100 percent focused on the midterms right now and not, not worried about a Trump primary at this point. It was interesting, Alex, you mentioned Mark Cuban's name. We had said, you know, it was Kasich and, and Flake who have visited New Hampshire, and they're obviously traditional Republican politicians. One a senator from Arizona, one the governor from Ohio. But Cuban is, is coming from a very different place, much like Donald Trump. I mean, do you think that it's a possibility we could see someone like that as maybe a more likely challenger or maybe more likely to be successful challenger to Donald maybe Trump? Maybe somebody who isn't thinking as hard about the midterms. Mark Cuban's maybe not as interested <laughs> in the Senate right. Mark, is. Mark Cuban needs to worry about the Mavericks missing well, the playoffs again. Well, on the Democratic side, you have Oprah, right, who I think fills, sure. would, would fill a similar potential um, lane in a, in, a, in a presidential primary. Look, we're dealing with a lot of hypotheticals here, uh, but there are advantages to being a celebrity in modern day politics. The, the, the sort of nexus between entertainment and news and politics and how all are sort of covered in the same way and at the same time gives a big advantage to somebody uh, who enters the uh, competitive field with a lot of celebrity. I think it was part of the reason why Trump jumped in the poll so quickly in 2015 against my former boss, Marco Rubio. You know, he's largely running against a bunch of guys that most people hadn't heard of or knew very little about, and everyone knew who Donald Trump was. He was already a household name. So, th- look, I think there's tremendous advantages to having strong name ID, to being a celebrity. So, yeah, I think Mark Cuban would have a huge advantage over somebody, say, like a Jeff Flake, who most Americans have, haven't heard of. 
how bad does it have to be in the midterms? How bad is bad for this to be well, considered? Well, look, losing the I, I, for me, it's rather black and white. If you lose the majorities, that's bad, and if you hang on to the majorities, that's great. If Democrats have a one-vote majority in the House of Representatives, that means that they're going to have the committee. They're going to control the committees. They're going to have subpoena powers, and they will bury the Trump administration in investigations. And I, and I speak from experience because I worked in the Bush White House during the second term, and we control the Congress in 2005 and 2006. We we have bad midterms. Democrats take over, and Nancy Pelosi is now Speaker of the House, and they buried us investigations the last two years of of the the Bush White House. You know, Alex, we, we do appreciate you humoring us on this question. Is, is there a constituency you think that would be especially interested in a primary challenger to Trump, the one that you know, would give Kasich or Cuban or whomever a kind of beachhead uh, no, as they approach it, it's this? It's not obvious to me that there is. I right. mean, Trump is very popular with Republicans right now. I, I see it in all the survey research I look at, but I also just feel it anecdotally when I travel, when I meet with Republicans. They Rank-and-file Republicans around the country are almost entirely united behind President Trump. That's not to say that there might not be potential appetite for an alternative. There was a poll recently in New Hampshire, and this was a couple of weeks ago, and John Kasich did very, very well. He was virtually tied with the president in that poll. So, look, I think that given a choice, there is a potential that some Republican primary voters may prefer a John Kasich over a Donald Trump in some states. That said, let me be clear, it is highly, highly likely that President Trump will be the Republican nominee in 2020 uh, facing off against one of the Democrats. I will say it's probably highly, highly likely also that John Kasich and Jeff Flake get a lot of ink <laughs> between Well, that's now and the then. other thing. I mean, we talked about those two guys in part because they're making the most noise about maybe challenging President Trump. And I suspect part of the reason why they're making a lot of noise about it is that they don't have anything else going on. Both of them are leaving public office at the end of this year, have no obvious next political move. Uh, and so if they want to stay relevant going into 2020, I'd say more than relevant, if they if they, if they they want to immediately become one of the most famous Republicans in the country, they would run a primary challenge against President Trump. And are those moves welcome or not welcome by other Republicans? I think in general, it would not be welcomed. Certainly, the Republican establishment want, is is very invested in seeing President Trump get reelected at this point. We like having a Republican president. We look. We obviously disagree with, you know, some of Trump's behavior. We don't like some of his tweets, some of the rhetoric. Disagree with some of the policies, maybe around you know trade and and, and things of that nature. But for the most part, Republicans, as I said, are united around Donald Trump and generally very excited about the policies that we're passing, being it all the judges we're confirming, tax reform, the list goes on. Okay. Alex, hey, thank you so much for joining us. Hey, thanks, guys. It was fun. We're going to bring in our next guest here, and she needs no introduction. It's Katie Glick, who covers Republicans nationally for McClatchy. Uh, she certainly is well known to listeners on this show. Katie, thank you so much for coming on. So great to be back with you guys. Thanks for having me. So, Katie, I, I think there is a natural question to ask when you're talking about a legitimate primary challenge to a sitting president like Donald Trump, really? Is this something that is really going to be a threat to him? So Alex Conan makes the great point that this is an incredibly volatile moment in American politics. Things really do change on a dime. So that's you know certainly a very important caveat. But as of this moment, Trump's approval rating among Republicans is 85 percent, according to the latest Gallup poll. 
that is really, really strong support. And I can tell you just in my reporting with Republicans across the, the sort of Republican conservative ideological spectrum, whether you're talking with the grassroots, whether you're talking with the donor class, whether you're talking about, you know, with rank and file members on Capitol Hill, there is zero appetite for this. Um, certainly, you know, there we heard a lot about the, the sort of never Trump coalition during the 2016 campaign and the 15 percent or so of, of Republicans who maybe don't approve of the president right now you know, perhaps what would maybe like to see an alternative down the road, but there is virtually no one who thinks that at this moment in time, there's room for a serious, credible primary challenge. You mentioned donors don't want to fund this race, but where does he stand with donors right now, especially on the verge of a trade war? The Koch brothers mentioned to the Washington Post this week that they were not happy with Republicans in general. Is there a risk of people dropping off before the 2020 election? Well, there's certainly a lot of Republicans who aren't happy with the president, but there's a big gap between people who aren't happy with the president and getting to a place where they would actually be willing to you know, put up millions and millions of dollars to support someone you know, in the hopes of a viable primary challenge. Now, this could all change if Republicans get blown out in the midterms. Um, and if that happens, I've heard a couple different scenarios. Either if Republicans get blown out, they lose the House, uh, maybe the Senate, um, you know, then you start to have sort of a reckoning with, you know, some Republicans thinking, okay, maybe this is not the right direction for the party. But the flip side of that is you could also have Republicans arguing, well, we didn't do enough to support the president. We need more people to turn out, you know, even more vociferously. Donald Trump won. We couldn't, you know, let's get with him. So, you know, a couple of different ways that that could go. But but as much as there is some frustration, certainly with the president, among some Republicans, uh, again, the interest in, uh, in a primary challenge right now, when it's very hard to see a clear pathway for success for that is just pretty low at this point. You know, I mean, we should point out, I mean, there's a reason Jeff Flake is looking at running for president, right, and not looking to run for re-election or first win his own primary in Arizona. I mean, his brand of politics was toxic with the GOP base. And, and I know a lot of Republicans who, I will tell you, like Jeff Flake and think he's a good lawmaker and someone who they agree with on the issues and his style of governance, who were really relieved that he bowed out of the race because they saw him losing in a primary challenge contest that would then possibly just hand the race to Democrats. So what is the opening here, Katie? Is it is it just a question of, you know, his, his attitude to the White House or his tweets? That doesn't seem like quite enough. Well, that's a really good point regarding Senator Flake, um, you, who is a very conservative Republican on the policy front, or at least has been traditionally, but stylistically has had very strong disagreements with the president. And there are certainly lots of Republicans who prefer Jeff Flake's style, who prefer that more traditional Republican style, and who have all kinds of problems with the president's tweets and style and temperament. But, you know, I think that's a very good point in terms of how much opening there is actually on the policy front. And the answer at this moment is there's not much. I mean, even someone like Rich Lowry, a conservative commentator, I mean, wrote recently that on issues of, of policy and substance, conservatives should be happy with Donald Trump. He's largely listened to them on just about every issue. Now, this was before the, the, the trade war started to really, right. uh, the potential trade war, I should say, really started to rev up. So maybe that is going to be a little bit different now. But conservatives have every reason to be happy with his presidency as far as the, the substance is concerned right now. 
Sure. And, you know, let's take a step back. For a lot of Republicans, Donald Trump was not their first or second or third or like 14th choice in uh, the Republican presidential primary. Carly Fiorina was was ranked above uh, was ranked above him for a lot of Republicans. That's true. Ted Cruz's running mate briefly. You know, we, we, lots of us have forgotten about that. But I, <laughs> that was a role, myself. Andrew, had you re- did you remember that? I, I heard not. the name Carly Fiorina in a while. <laughs> we, we forgot Carly Fiorina was was even uh, had even run for president in the first place. I think. Yes, I actually still have a vintage Cruz Fiorina t-shirt from uh, back when, when that was an, <laughs> an effort for a moment. But, you know, so broadly speaking, there's a lot of Republicans who were very skeptical of Donald Trump. There are certainly some Republicans who remain skeptical of Trump and, and you know, certainly among the operative class and some members of Congress, some privately, some publicly, you know, will tell you that they have a lot of concerns about his style and temperament. But at this moment, he is just so strong with the base that, you know, a lot of smart folks who, who look at this who personally might like to see uh, some sort of uh, primary challenge, just think that it would be very difficult to chart a path through the Republican Party. At the same time, you know, certainly um, taking a look around the potential field, you do see people like Kasich, like Flake, who appear to be preparing should an opportunity present itself. But, you know, I, I've asked uh, people, broadly speaking, who are watching these kinds of moves, what would that opportunity look like? And even that is, is pretty wide ranging. What if donors are really unhappy with him going into another election. I mean, do they just repeat what they did last time and give to the Senate committees and the House committees? I mean, I guess he did it without a lot of the major players last time around. I don't get the sense that a lot of donors are unhappy. With, like, the Cooks weren't with him last time, mm-hmm. um, and, and they're unhappy again, so that's true. But look at the RNC fundraising, at least. Like, it seems mm-hmm. like that's doing pretty well. I mean, I, I feel like that this gets back... Katie, to this kind of argument we've been having since the Republican presidential primary in 2016 about whether or not this is the party of Trump. You know, at that point, you know, Trump did win, you know, just a plurality of of voters Mm -hmm. in the Republican primary. It's not like he won a majority. It's not like there wasn't a lot of resistance. But it just seems like that the argument has steadily weakened since that point, because, of course, the overwhelming majority of Republican voters voted for him in the presidential race. And it, it feels like that they, the never-Trumpers have been on the run during the entirety of the Trump administration. As, as we were saying, I mean, Jeff Flake, you know, and the fact that he was effectively pushed out of office is the great example of that. It gets back to this question. This is the party of Trump, right? I mean, and... and yes, you know, <laughs> it absolutely is. This is the party of Trump. It absolutely is the party of Trump. And that's not to say that there aren't dissenting voices there. And there's a lot of smart, you know, prominent people who have broken with the president and some do it, you know, routinely. Some, you know, pick their spots and and find some areas of, of disagreement or they disagree with the style, if they, even if they agree with the policy. But broadly speaking, if we're talking about the vast majority of the Republican Party, if we're talking about the base, if we're talking about and file voters, you know, generally they are on board with the agenda, even if they're not on board with the tweets. And, you know, I can tell you one development in covering this is that since the 2016 campaign, there's been even sort of a circling the wagons dynamic on the Republican side. Like even people who are more sort of reluctant Republicans during the, you know, reluctant Trump voters during the campaign, a lot of people, those positions have actually been hardened a little bit, just given what a polarized time we're living in, how tribalistic this moment is. And so we really are sort of seeing a circling the wagons effect there a little bit. Katie, you wrote a really interesting story last week about a young up-and-comer who is taking some swings at Trump and somebody who is, like, threading the needle on how do you do that. Thank you. Yeah, there's um, there are a couple of people who have figured out so far how to express some disagreements with the administration without 
invoking the ire of the conservative base. So there are some people like Mike Gallagher. He's a you know conservative congressman from a very pro-Trump district in Wisconsin, but he has staked out some you know pretty defined positions on foreign policy. Really tough approach toward Russia, which has not always been um, where this president has been in terms of rhetoric. And he's been able to pick those spots and and been able to break a little bit without sparking too much backlash so far. So it is a challenge though for a lot of House members in particular from some of these more moderate uh, districts, more moderate than Gallagher's district, who um, they do need to turn out their Republican base. And again, that base is very strongly supportive of the president, but he is so toxic with independent voters and with Democratic voters. So it, it's an increasing challenge for them to sort of thread that needle. Right. And, and this sort of overarching concern a lot of Republicans are going to have about a primary challenge, this is going to be a threat to Trump in the general election. I mean, this is, we talked about it with Alex Conant, this is a, a sort of well-worn uh, pattern in, in presidential history that if you, um, if the sitting president, you know, has a serious primary challenge, they lose in the fall. And there's really nothing that quite rallies the, the base together, like the possibility of, of losing to the other party. You can hear the messaging now that, you know, vote for Kasich or Flake or, you know, whomever, whichever, you know, Republican, if any, do in fact end up running a primary challenge is a vote for, you know, Cory Booker or for, you know, whomever the, the, the Democrat, yeah. Joe Biden, you know, Elizabeth yeah. Warren, Bernie Sanders. Oh, my gosh. You know, I mean, that's the quickest way to rally that, that Republican the rest race, of the show sure. with just continuing that list. Yes, yes, yes. exactly. <laughs> a, vo- a vote for Kasich is a vote for Oprah. Yeah. <laughs> yes. That's, that's what well, this is know, going I to wonder, be. I wonder how that plays now, now that you, you laid that one out. <laughs> yeah. Um, you guys ready for the lightning round? Let's do it. Andrea, you're up first. Oh, pick me. Yes. Uh, next special election, perhaps in Texas, in your neck of the woods, Alex. Blake Farenthold surprisingly resigned. He was supposed to continue out the rest of his term, but now announced Friday that he will step down immediately. Had harassment issues and uh, sparks either a special election or a couple options for the governor there. But thoughts on district in your neck of the woods, Alex? Do we really need another special election at this point? Yes, we do. Yes, we do. <laughs> do, do, do we? I mean, it, it does give us uh, a lot of uh, quality and important and interesting things to talk about on this show. So that's that's good. Katie, who you got? Rick Scott, who is making official his run for U.S. Senate in Florida, setting up uh, an extremely competitive and expensive race. And of course, our colleagues uh, in Miami, I'm sure, will be covering that very closely. And my Democrat to watch is J.B. Pritzker. He won the gubernatorial nomination in Illinois last month. Polls show him up big, big on on incumbent Republican Governor Bruce Rauner here in the early stages of, of that race. And look, he is someone, if you're going to be a big state governor, Democrats don't have a whole lot of those right now. They're poised to have a few more, it looks like, in 2018. You know, that is the sort of platform in which you become a national leader of the party. So, you know, JB's got to win his race first, but is certainly someone to watch inside the Democratic Party right now. Katie, thank you so much for coming on. Great to see you guys. Thanks so much. See you in person soon. Andrea, a pleasure as always. Thanks, Alex. Thank you to producer Jordan Marie Smith. And thank you, our listeners. We want to hear from you. So please send your questions and your comments to btb at mcclatchy.com or connect with us on Facebook at facebook.com slash beyondthebubblepod. Tell us what you're seeing in your battleground states. We might even ask you to call into the show. And check us out on Apple Podcasts, TuneIn, Stitcher, or whatever podcast app you use. We want to say thank you to everyone who's left us a review or a rating. Talk to you next week.